You're listening to Deep Fried Thoughts from Yellow Belly Restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. Michael Friedberg, special guest today, Jay Farrakane from Angry Bovine. Take it away. All right. So um, Jay had me speak at his series a couple months ago. And when he introduced me, I think it was one of the most convoluted introductions. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty much going to have to return to favor here because uh, Jay is a man of many talents. Um, Angry Bovine is his design studio uh, professor at CU Boulder. Only by title, not by degree. Only by title. Um, and elbow patches on his blazer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, also um, just a kind of all-around creative, awesome guy. Um, how's that for an intro? Adequate. I think might be over, 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 uh, exemplifying my abilities, but I'll take it. Yeah. So, um, so Jay does a lot in the cycling community. He's, um, a fixture on everyone's group ride. So if you, uh, <laughs> if you have a group ride and Jay isn't on it, um, hit well, I'm him not up, telling people about it, hit him up on Instagram or Twitter. Um, so Jay, let's, uh, let's start with a little bit of, um, kind of athletic background. What, uh, you're, you're starting to launch into it, um, before we turn the mics on here. Uh, well, well, it was funny because you know when you talked, when I found out you're doing your podcast, which you never told me about, and then I was like, "Hey, man, I want to, I need to be a part of this. You've been a part of my deal. I got to be a part of your deal. That's how it works here." Um, and then, you, then you kept going, "Well, maybe we will just talk about design, or maybe you'll talk about business because I, I do both of those things." And then I'm like, "But look, man, I got like kind of an athletic background, and I wasn't, you know, I'm not Mike Friedberg level. I wasn't hanging out with Johnny Mosley and stuff, but uh, I definitely." Uh, <laughs> I was. Uh, I think I've got a funny story as I made my way um, into athleticism. As a, I was definitely the last kid picked in, in kickball until I was about fourteen, and then I just dove my entire being and existence into uh, standing sideways on stuff: skateboards, snowboards, surfboards, whatever it was. Um, and then in that kind of three-year period, I was living in Hawaii at the time, and then actually moved to Japan for a little bit, and. Uh, when I moved to Japan, it was almost like a survival skill because I didn't have many friends. We lived off base for a year. And so literally I kind of like, you know, your parents aren't going to drive you everywhere. Not in that day and age. Today, maybe your parents would drive you everywhere. But I was literally skating miles and miles and miles every day. And I just got better and better at it. And then, um, you know, that I think taking that into my semi-adult life and going to college and stuff, I actually picked up XC running just because I wanted to show guys that I was like, you're not going to drop me. You're not going to take me out of the game. And so I had this one, uh, you know, JV coach in college that was like, hey, you should come out and try out for XC. I think he was translating that basically there was a bunch of other derelicts on the team. And um, they're like, you know, hey, you, you might do okay in this. <laughs> um, so I got into XC running with the same intent that I took on skateboarding and surfing and, and, and snowboarding and uh, kind of applied myself to it and um, probably didn't approach it like most traditional athletes would, but... Um, I almost was always out there very little, uh, I think DNA background and it was all heart. And so like, that's kind of been my staying point, even into cycling today. So yeah. that's kind of where my, my background started at least. And so, I mean, you had quite a bit of success with the skateboarding. You were, uh, team Alva and yep. kind of all that. Can you kind of take us through a little bit of, of what that was? Yeah. So like, uh, you know, the sponsored skateboarding world is kind of a funny thing. So, you know, you start out kind of like shop-sponsored kid and then maybe get some sort of ride with a, with a company. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a couple friends in the industry that they were like, hey, we want to start flowing you, you know, some product and stuff like that. And that really did start to make a difference. And I, you know, considered for a while like, oh, you know, is this going to be like, could I do this as like a living? And I remember even showing my mom some video that I had edited like 
I don't know, like hand edited with like tape and you know like VHS material. And uh, she goes, "Wow, you're getting pretty good." And I was like, I was like, it was the best thing I'd ever heard. And uh, I go to the skate contest like about a week later, and um, with like big name guys like Salman Aga and stuff like that. And, and I remember going up this like big vert wall, and I could barely kick turn on the thing. And guys were doing like full inverts and tricks and stuff on it. I'm like. Dude, maybe I should find another thing. But during this whole time, <laughs> I'm doing, like, art yeah. at that time. And so my friends who are turning pro all around me um, basically are like, hey, dude, can you draw a picture for my board and that kind of stuff? So um, I kind of made my started making my way into design. Most of the guys I knew, um, too, that were in skateboarding or surfing or stuff like that did art. Yeah. As like an additional kind of yeah, and that's one extension of, the that, of their thing. I mean, that's one of the things that we bonded over was sort of that DIY art where there's a lot of people that weren't necessarily wearing the moniker of artists, you know, doing art in this space. And right. so, um, so let's kind of switch gears here. And uh, so, what exactly is Angry Bovine? Um, loosely termed, I think Angry Bovine is a uh, we call it a design collective, but really its intent is is a, it's kind of a modern approach to being an independent designer. Um, I work with a lot of my clients in the way that an agency would. Um, my clients interface with me. They pick up the phone. They call me directly. Um, and then, you know, depending on the project, I kind of pull from my network of, uh, of friends and, and I'm able to staff up a job according to any project. So we can kind of really scale. Like, you know, I'm working on some pretty, pretty big brand stuff at the moment where, you know, you, an agency could be looking at the same level of work, but, you know, you've got two or three people on it really focused on doing, um, you know, a committed job to it rather than having a bunch of people sitting in a pool in an agency and, you know, you're paying a lot of overhead. So, Yeah, and so one of your philosophies is design thinking for business. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of run our listeners through what, uh, what you mean by that? Yeah, I think the funny thing is, you, you know, you, being, an, you know, the art guy and coming out of design school and stuff like that, I, I think you leave design school often with this intent of, and, and this is going to date me, but I, you know, I thought I was going to leave design, leave design school and start designing CD covers. Like, I'm like, I'm going to design Aerosmith CD covers and Metallica. And then the CD industry blew up. And then you realize that there's like six people on earth that design that stuff. <laughs> and I was in the Silicon Valley at that time. And, and so you realize, well, there's a lot of software businesses out here. And, you know, you get into these meetings uh, with people at big companies and you're like, whoa, people really use this software? And they're like, yeah, in fact, most of the Fortune 500 don't function without some of the software, you know, brands that I work with. And you probably wouldn't know any of them. But it was working in those institutions that I really realized that my job was less about making things look great and really about helping build effective communication. And so um, in that, you kind of have to step aside from, you still do want them, you want to make interest and you have to create interaction and deliver on emotion and things like that. But it doesn't mean making cool for cool's sake. It means making things that are very usable and extendable. Um, I happened to take a client-side creative direction job fairly early on in my career. And uh, I remember it, was, it really drove home the fact that if I screwed up, people lost their jobs. And like meaning like, oh, a product didn't sell because it wasn't communicated effectively. It could be the best thing in the world, but if it left my hands and we didn't do a good job of explaining it, somebody you know, could be losing out on the bottom line or their job, right? And so I took that process moving forward, and I really do believe that my job, whenever I interact with, whether it's a friend's band and I'm doing a logo for them, or it's a company who, you know, sells, like I said, enterprise software, um, I really don't see any difference. I'm trying to figure out how to make them communicate most effectively with their audience. So that's why I kind of put that moniker, we help businesses be 
we help businesses be better businesses through design thinking and doing. Um, because my design, my approach is um, fairly pragmatic. You know, I, I'll listen to what my clients are saying, but I'm going to do enough of my own research and, and investigation to say, hey, I know what you're saying, but let's look at it from this point of view. And that's another luxury I have. I'm fairly, um, you know, not sitting in an agency, not tied to a big um, AOR kind of account yeah. thing. I can be a little bit more independent and um, I think truthful with my clients a lot of times. So I work to build those kind of relationships as well. Yeah. And it also affords you some time on a bike. Definitely. And so, um, you know, how does cycling kind of fit into your (laughs) work life? I mean, I want to know a little bit more about your creative process. Yeah. So I think, um, the bike factors in heavily because, you know, I'm super hyperactive ADD. I don't know if you got a sense of that ever in our interactions. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it is kind of like the Ritalin for me, right? Like, and, and so if I don't ride like in the morning before I get to work, I'm kind of all over the place. And um, I do a lot of thinking while sitting on the bike too. Um, you know, I ride, you know, I like to get up and ride early in the morning. So um, I sort through a lot of stuff in there. And uh, I think sometimes you'll, you know, because your subconscious is really active when you're working out and stuff like that, that some of your best problem solving um, kind of comes through in that way. A lot of times I have to kind of pull over and like jot a note down on my phone or something like that because I'm like, no way, that's the best way to facilitate that interaction or how to complete that like, you know, that thought for a brand or something. So um, that happens quite a bit. So it's pretty integral to me. I'm a miserable bastard actually if I'm not riding or running or um, doing something that, that kind of lets me have a little bit of a physical outlet to get my brain online. Yeah. And you still skate. I've, uh, I've skated your backyard mini ramp. Yep. And so that's another kind of way to, would you say, to kind of get the creativity uh, pumping if, if you're at a... I think that, you know, that that's a, a way for me to uh, almost remain youthful in, in a sense, because it's something that's so core to me that, you know, I cannot, I've, I've gone through periods where I haven't skated for months or a year, even at a time. And, and I get a board and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I totally remember how to do this. And then you just go through this really like fantastic rediscovery of... Um, I can still do that thing yeah. or I can't and then you adapt it to do something else and I think that's one of the things too is that even long before I got into cycling cycling your success really comes out of how much you're willing to endure and um, skateboarding that was always my, my ticket was it, it taught me don't quit and mm. so I, I think the same is it's a very truthful like if I look at skateboarding cycling and, and especially my work ethic they're, they're all exactly the same you know it's mm. like get to the front make everybody like work with you and get yeah. and just get it done you know and that's another thing that we've kind of talked about that's interesting is um you know obviously with an athletic background work ethics everything but mm. i think that a lot of people like look at you you're a super creative guy covered in tattoos <laughs> i mean how do you how does work ethic manifest itself in creativity um creativity is a funny thing because i look at you know a lot of people ask me why don't you race so much anymore you know and uh you know, I, I still do. I'll usually pick a, an event here or there, usually kind of some sort of old man event, like a distance thing, because my body seems to do well with that. But I think I have about a, min- a million finish lines or check-in points in all my work all the time. So I'm constantly in some sort of competition. Um, and so the, ra- the riding is, is like a little bit of an outlet. Um, but I think my work ethic, you know, I don't want anyone to ever have the misconception that the work that I do, that ev- round one, everything I put in front of a client is gold. Actually, it's probably not that that's not the truth at all um a lot of times it's like hey we see some things there and i work with my clients very collaboratively and and because they know so much more about their business than i could ever know um that i have to like i try and be 
you know, almost a catalyst with them and work with them and say, hey, what about this? Or how are you feeling about this? Or what are some of your goals? Um, and then I can kind of bounce opportunity back and forth off of them. Um, but I really do rely on my clients to, to kind of give me corrective feedback. And then it comes to work ethic and how are you going to re-implement it or how are you going to recover from a slight falter and stuff like that, which happens a lot in creative. Yeah. It's not all, you know, sun and roses. You got to have a pretty bulletproof ego because a lot of times it's, this isn't right or this is way off target. Yeah. You know? And I put designers on a super high pedestal because I've done a bunch in, uh, in, I guess, what would be considered the art world. Mm. And as an artist, I kind of feel like I'm pretty limited. I can only do what I do. I kind of have this, you can't buy what I don't sell attitude. I, I am in awe of someone like you who is not only an artist, but then has this extra gear of able to talk to a a potential client and then produce something that they like. Mm. So I see the designer thing is, is certainly greater than an artist, but uh, I am curious, um, do you do any art for yourself? I mean, I know that the kind of bovine brand as it pertains to the collaborations with Handlebar Mustache and with um, with Panache are very much, you know, your your art. So yeah. can you speak about that a little I, bit? I think I get opportunities to be, I, I think when you when most people talk about art, they're thinking through, they're thinking ex- expressive, some sort of self-expression. And um, I think I do get periods to do more self-expression. I think HP or Handlebar Mustache is a good example of that. Um, some of the pattern work that I do for Panache and stuff like that is more exemplary of like people letting me go a little bit wild. I have had clients though every once in a while say, "Hey, just just bring the crazy," you know, <laughs> like no shit. I had this one guy and he used to tell me, "Bring the crazy," and and every once in a while I would, and I'd show him like some creative that was like definitely outside the norm. And uh, he'd always go, okay, cool. I'm, I'm gonna just, I just want to keep that on my desk to make people <laughs> laugh, but we're going to go with the, you know, the version one. Um, it, and, and I do do some like raw medium stuff. I think lately my art has been um, physically making things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I live on a ranch, so uh, I built my office. Like to me, those are still expressive things. I want to I construct my space, I guess, is where I'm at with yeah. that. Um, but recently I just worked on this logo project where I got really inspired by a book that... Uh, um, Michael Cody brought back for me oh, from cool. uh, Japan, and I got really inspired by this woodcut, and I wanted to see if I could replicate that in marker for a logo project, and I did. And a lot of I do a lot of stuff like that. Like I make books for my kids. Yeah, reach one of those books cool. um, are they may get utilized in design at uh-huh. some point, but they're actually real opportunities for me to explore a vernacular I might not. I mean, it's art because there's not yeah. really a client like. Yeah. I'm the client. Yeah, you're the and client. And designers are really good about putting stupid rules around themselves so that you feel like you're. You're not so arty, and then yeah. you're working within parameters. So that's something yeah. I'm very guilty of. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was the best – we'll kind of switch gears back to okay. athletics here. What was the best um, advice you received when you were an athlete? The two examples. I, I, you know, I was, uh, I was brushing up on my history on this because I was, I was listening to your previous <laughs> podcast, and I'm like, oh, he might ask me that question. Um, two things I saw – well, two, two things I think as archival moments in, in just who I went forward as – an athlete or as a person. Um, one was when I was, a, I was a little kid living in Hawaii. And I, I say little kid. I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And I went to this skate demo. And I remember that it was super hot out. And, and I didn't have any money. And I got in line at McDonald's to go get a soda or something like this. And I didn't have enough money after I had ordered my drink. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And this dude bumps me in the back and, and throws some change on the counter. I turn around, and it's this skateboarder guy, Jesse Martinez. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to do that for every kid that I ever met. So when I was sponsored, I would go to skate parks and give kids stickers and throw T-shirts. And as whatever I had to flow, I would flow because I wanted to be that guy. I wasn't really good. So, mm. I mean, I wasn't as good as, like, a lot of people. I could 
ride and, you know, do the things. Yeah. But I was like, I was just so stoked to be doing what I was doing. Um, and then by the time I found cycling, there was a couple connection points that made it hard for me to get into cycling. A, Lycra. I went from like 90s baggy <laughs> point, you know, like 90s baggy pants and like, you know, thrashed vans to all of a sudden, like I would stand by my car and drop my pants and pull them back up. Because I had overshorts on, like ride diapers, yeah, I think yeah, you guys yeah. call them now. And, like, I would be, like, drop them, pull them back up. I can't do that. I can't do yeah. that. And, um, I struggled so, with that. I struggled with that in the early. Yeah. You and know, it, when, it, when I saw that they had uh, suspenders, that was kind of an odd moment for I'm me. I'm like, do you wear those over your yeah, jersey? Like, Are they under the like, jersey? Cool, okay, yeah. What are the cool kids doing? <laughs> exactly. And so uh, I remember reading a, um, an excerpt from uh, um, the Bobkey book where he talked about being on tour. And uh, they were dragging around a milk carton full of punk rock albums. And they would drink whiskey every once in a while. And I'm like well, maybe I can be a part of this sport. And I guess I think there's a third one. It was reading about, um, it was something that Ned Overend said, um, where was uh, the person who's willing to suffer the most on a particular day is the guy who wins. And again, not having real like genetic talent mm. and, and it being like, you know, if I was angsty and pissed off, I didn't think many people were going to actually get ahead of me for very long at least, yeah. you know? And so I kind of took those two two or three pieces of experience and information to kind of really form a lot of who I believe I am as an athlete. Cool. And so what advice would you give to someone athletically? Understand yourself, I think. I I meet so many people that are like, I want to get better at this. And I know that there's lots of coaching programs and stuff like that, but I think your best monitor for who you are um, as an athlete is yourself. And I think very few people trust Um, themselves to kind of do that read lots of books go on the internet you know like form your own opinion about who you are and who you want to be um it's great to go get help i mean like i think how fortunate we are like that you can you can literally pick from 20 to 30 coaches in this area that have all either had olympic experience or something like that but i remember teaching myself you know how to eat how to ride i lived in a house like there was a very there was much more of a tribal methodology to it uh-huh. when i was kind of cycling i lived in a house full of cyclists and then we were all like crappy cat like i think there was a range of like cat twos to cat fives in our house <laughs> but it was like dudes like okay i'm gonna go buy all this oatmeal and cook it or one dude would like make a bunch of eggs and you know so it was like a weird thing like dude would leave the house and literally i, I remember getting up one morning and one of my roommates leaves and he comes back in like two seconds later bloody and I'm like, and I'm like, what happened? He goes, dude, I drove out of the driveway into a car. And like, that was just like our life. Like, you know, he like literally turned out of the driveway, looked one direction, rode in the back of a van. Um, so, you know, it was, I think there's those experiences though of living that life. Mm. Um, whereas I meet some people today and I'm like, you're a cat too. And how long have you been racing? And they're like, oh, like two years, dude. And I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know? So anyway. Yeah. Access to information is yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, and what's the, what's the best advice you've gotten as a businessman? Get a lawyer. Honestly, yeah. John Schoenberg, when I went out on my own, Shoney. Shoney's with TDA. Shoney at TDA tells me, told me, um, he goes, you have a lawyer? And I remember thinking, like, that's a weird thing for you to ask. And uh, so uh, I think about my t- second or third year in as bovine, you know, I was working, as a, I was working with this one client, and... Uh, the guy on the phone says, uh, well, I guess I'm going to have to get my lawyer involved. And I was like, what do you mean? And then, <laughs> and then so, like, the next person I called was Shoney. And, uh, you got, you like, got Shoney's about a, lawyer about involved. A day, actually, I got, I got a different lawyer, but uh, I got a lawyer and an accountant. I would say get two things that you want to do is, if you're starting any of your own businesses, get a lawyer and get an accountant. So you already answered the second question, which is what advice would you give to business? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. I think that's what I would do. I would actually... I think the other thing in business is, is stay focused on what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
you know, round 18 copy change is probably not my sweet spot. Um, I'm usually tuned out and beyond that thing already. So I have a, a, a pretty good apprentice workforce um, that helps me kind of keep my head above water on that kind of stuff because projects do drag out. Um, but, uh, you know, I was told early on when I started Bovine, um, actually a client of mine said, you're really good at what you do, but you're horrible at, you know, project management. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's rad because I never wanted to do anything with calendars or spreadsheets <laughs> anyway. So yeah. um, so now I kind of offload that onto yeah. uh, other folks to help me keep it going. Cool. The last thing I wanted to touch on is uh, one of the things that you do for our community here in Boulder that's really cool is caffeinated mornings. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you were just talking about that sort of access to information. And uh, so can you just tell everyone a little bit about uh, Caffeinated real quick? Yeah. So uh, Caffeinated was started, gosh, three years ago. I'm, like, so amazed by that. Um, I was doing some uh, brand work for uh, um, a co-working space uh, here in town uh, that was one of the first kind of co collaborative co-working spaces. There was a marketing agency in there. It's still called Atomic 20. Um, they're upstairs in a little bit of a different kind of venue now. But we went in there and um, developed the visual brand for them and um, they really wanted to be a part, an active part of the design and, and entrepreneurial community. Um, and so the idea was that you could have designers, um, coders, and entrepreneurs all sitting in a room together, and then the marketing agency could harvest from that talent. Um, and then they asked me what I would do there. And I don't know if you've ever spent time in my office, but I kind of have design Tourette's. And so it's not uncommon for me to you know, be playing very loud music most of the day and then shout angry things at my... Uh, at my computer when my computer's not working right or, you know, design's not coming together. Um, and so Caffeinated was an effect to uh, give the community an anchor point to come together. Um, you know, somebody had said, hey, we got this space for you. you what would you want to do here? And I'm like, I always wanted to build an event where we would showcase. Um, it started out originally as designers and being a designer myself, I'm like, we're not the most interesting people and it's um, on earth. And so we've extended it to architects and uh, creative directors and writers and filmmakers and photographers and anyone who really makes something yourself, you know, yeah. you as an artist and I think as an entrepreneur fit that mold um, really well. So the series is a, a first Friday yeah. series um, that really is just about showcasing, um, you know, the creative talent, what's going on here, and then giving our creative space a place to come together that's not a lynda.com like meetup to do drop shadows. It's more about like, how do I stay inspired and do people mm. ad I admire run into challenges and do they feel or, you know, feel self self doubt at any point and how do they overcome it? Mm -hmm. um, I always want people to leave caffeinated, you know, inspired and ready to tackle their day in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. Um, and so that's my goal with that. Yeah. And, my, and my complaint with caffeinated every week is that uh, Jay moderates it, but um, I always uh, would like to hear a little bit more about uh, Jay and what he's thinking. So um, it was really nice having you on the show um, and getting a chance Thanks to do that. Thanks for having me, man. I really and then, appreciate uh, it. You know, if you can just let everyone know um, where they can find out about Caffeinated, where they can find out about Bovine, any other projects that you want to plug or yeah. uh, give people um, access to totally, totally. more info. Um, you can see all my work at angrybovine.com. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter handles are the same thing, at angrybovine, if you want to just follow the stupid uh, ranch weird bike design life that I lead, um, sometimes skateboarding, sometimes corralling kids and animals. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you want to check out any of our uh, work recently, our collaborative work with... Uh, uh, Brett at HB Stash. Check out hbstash.com and uh, we've got shirts and bottles and all sorts of stuff over there. And caffeinated morning. Uh, caffeinated caffeinated mornings.com. Mornings. Yeah. All right. Well, so, thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.